0: Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, it's very good uh, to be here. Um, I'm going to claim I have no responsibility for bringing the rain that we saw yesterday. Um, we have uh, bad weather follows us every time we go on holiday. We had thunder and lightning during our July holiday in the north of Scotland, and that was some storm last night, wasn't it? it was some storm. But uh, thank you very much uh, for your for your welcome. I would like to share with you um, some uh, thoughts I've had from an encounter with Jesus by a good man. And it's in John chapter uh, 3 that uh, I've been been enjoying uh, this study uh, myself. But first of all, I uh, wonder if you recognise anyone in this picture? Yes? Who is it? George Clooney. So, this is what an encounter with George Clooney looks like. You see all these uh, euphoric women and also older guys as well. I don't know. I don't know what that's all about. But uh, lots of euphoria, lots of excitement, people wanting to get close to George Clooney. But then he gets in a car and he drives off. All right, okay. All right, okay. Um, He heads off. And that's it. That's the encounter with George Clooney. But praise God, an encounter with Jesus is not like that. It's great coming to church, isn't it? It's great having the encouragement of being together and praising God and feeling God's presence with us. But isn't it amazing we don't need to wait till next Sunday? Is that not amazing? that Jesus wants to be close with us every day of the week. All the time. In work, at home, if we've got nothing to do, sitting in the house, or we go for a walk, if we're sheltering from the rain in the bus shelter, Jesus wants to be close to us and make his presence felt. That's amazing. And in this passage of God's Word in John chapter 3, we see someone coming to see Jesus. Let's read uh, the first few verses together. John chapter 3 and verse 1 says, Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jew- Jewish ruling council. Now, I was, let me just stop there, because I was surprised by that. Verse 1 there's a man who's got a Bible verse to himself is that not pretty cool when we meet Nicodemus he's got a Bible verse all to himself there's nothing else in that Bible verse except saying there was a man called Nicodemus and he was a Pharisee a member of the Jewish ruling council. That's pretty cool isn't it This guy was was pretty important. Was pretty, pretty important. He came verse two. He came to Jesus at night and said, "Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him." In reply, Jesus declared, "I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless." And let's stop. Well, let's not stop. Let's read on to verse 16. Jesus is continuing. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. May God bless his word to us. Here we have two important people meeting Jesus and Nicodemus Nicodemus coming to meet Jesus both of them are teachers they both teach people, they both have followers and I think um, Nicodemus is, is a good man, I think he is a good man but this here is the start of a life changing encounter with Jesus. A life changing encounter with Jesus. Yes, Nicodemus is a good man. Nicodemus is a religious man. Nicodemus is looked up to by many people in his society. And yet, this is going to be a life changing moment for him. You see, the next time Nicodemus and Jesus meet after this occasion we're going to see Nicodemus performing one of the most brave acts that any Jewish leader has ever performed but this is the first occasion that they meet and that started me thinking because this is a good person and yet even with a good person Jesus makes a life-changing difference, doesn't he? He makes a life-changing difference in everyone. Both the good and those who are fallen on hard times. Those whose life is maybe a bit more chaotic. Perhaps the difference that Jesus makes might be more obvious in some people's lives. But still, in everyone's life, Jesus makes a life-changing difference. I wonder, is it possible that being good, living an upright life, can actually get in the way of how close we get to Jesus? I think it can. Because I was wondering, why is it that Jesus chooses to say these things that he's going to say to Nicodemus? This is one of the most famous verses, in the Bible, isn't it? John chapter three, verse sixteen. It used to be, you saw it at the Olympics and at the World Cup, people like this gentleman here, holding up John three sixteen. I remember seeing the World Cups, where uh, the guy was holding that behind the goals. I can't remember which one, but I don't think it was in the last one. I didn't see, I didn't see anyone holding that verse up in the, in the last one, or in the Olympics there. But certainly, it is the most famous verse. In the Bible, but why did Jesus choose this meeting with Nicodemus to say uh, these things? Well, I think this speaks something of how being upright and maybe being looked up to can actually stand in the way of how close we get to Jesus. You see, pride and self worth are powerful things, aren't they? And they can hold us back from being close to this amazing person, Jesus. But Nicodemus wasn't having any of that. He had a busy life. He had lots of people looking up to him. And yet, he came to Jesus at night. He made a point of coming to get to know Jesus. But you know... Nicodemus knew about Jesus before this meeting. Did you see what he said when he first met Jesus? In verse 2, he says, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing with God, if God were not with him. You know, Nicodemus knew about Jesus They'd heard about Jesus. They'd heard what Jesus was doing. And that's good. It's good if you've come to church and you're learning about Jesus. Starting to know about Jesus. But that wasn't enough for Nicodemus. You know, Nicodemus said, we know you are a teacher. Jesus had been talked about by these Pharisees. They'd all been hearing about him. A number of them, all of them knew about him. But how many of them came to know more about Jesus? How many of them came that night to learn more about him? To really get to know Jesus? You see, in a few chapters in John, we see another meeting, and this is another meeting, Of Jesus and the Pharisees. And they're talking to him. But Jesus says to them. You do not know me or my father. Now how is that? They're talking to him. They see him. But Jesus is saying. You do not know me or my father. Jesus replied. If you knew me. You would know my father also. You see Jesus recognizes the difference between knowing about him and really knowing him that close intimate relationship that we were talking about that Andrew was talking about as we were coming close to communion but only Nicodemus wanted to really get to know Jesus you know, I'm so grateful that Jesus isn't looking for fans. He's looking for friends. Do you remember He said to His disciples, You are my friends. Jesus wants us to really know Him in an intimate way, in a continual way. And that's how we can start this wonderful life of faith in him I wonder many of us here are Christians and have been Christians for many years is it possible that we've forgotten about that great privilege of knowing Jesus in that day to day basis well here's what Paul said and I was really struck by this verse from Philippians chapter 3 and verse ten. Paul, this experienced man of God, who's gone round gone round Asia, spreading the word, planting churches and seeing many Christians established. And here's what he says to the church I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. He still has that desire he still has that burning desire to know Jesus Christ more and more. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. He wants to know Christ. That's how he started his life of faith. But he still has that continuing desire to know Christ. This is something I think we all need to remind ourselves of. To redeclare, I want to know Christ. Do you want to say it with me? Mm-hmm. I want to know Christ. You see, Paul says, um, just in a couple of verses earlier, that to know Christ is of surpassing worth. There's nothing better than knowing Christ Jesus. You know, I was reminded of an occasion with, um, with Jesus' disciples. Do you remember when they were in the boat with Him? They were crossing the lake. And a storm broke up. I don't know if it was as bad as last night, but I think it was. And the waves were coming over the boat. And these experienced fishermen amongst the disciples were getting terrified. And Jesus was sleeping in the boat. Do you remember what they said to him? Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion, says in Mark chapter 4, verse 38. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? They'd forgotten who Jesus was. I don't know if you think back to last week. Last month. Were there any occasions when you forgot who Jesus was? Forgot the power that he has? Forgot the promises that he has given us? To always be with us? This is something that I know I certainly need to remind myself of. I want to know Christ. And know the power of his resurrection. I wonder if Peter was remembering this occasion when they forgot who Jesus was and the power that he had. When he say, when he was saying in Second Peter chapter one, verse three, he says, "His divine power was, has given us everything we need for life and godliness." through the knowledge of Him who called us by His glory, His own glory and excellence. Everything we need for life and godliness in our knowledge of Him. I pray that we might remind ourselves of that and that we might refresh that desire that we have of wanting to know Christ. What was it Jesus had to say to this man? Jesus wasn't interested in pleasantries. Sometimes Jesus just gets to the point, cuts through the chase and gets to the point. I think it's great in God's word when uh, in verse 3 the Bible says, In reply Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Jesus wasn't replying to a question. I wonder if uh, Nicodemus was trying to impress Jesus. Jesus, we know all about you. We know that you're a teacher from God. We know that you're doing miraculous things. Jesus says, no, no, don't try and impress me. Let me tell you something. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. unless he's born again. You know, as I said, it's interesting that Jesus chose this man to say, to share this truth with. He could have chosen many of the people that he came across, many of the people who were maybe uh, facing hard times, maybe many people who were living in sin, but he didn't. He chose the man that others looked up to. He chose the man that, as everyone else was looking, they would say, oh, he's alright. And Jesus is cutting through that. Say, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. You know that being a Christian, that being accepted by God is not about being good. It's not in our own worth. It's not in our own goodness. It's not. It's, um, it's purely down to the sacrifice. And the sacrificial death of our Lord Jesus Christ. His sacrifice and the worth of his blood shed for us. That is the only reason that we can know God in a true way. That we can enter into his kingdom and experience this new life and this is what Nicodemus was being told this new life that's offered to everyone and it starts with new birth it starts with that new birth I think Jesus was reminding Nicodemus that he couldn't do anything for his own salvation as helpless as a newborn baby is So was Nicodemus' ability to be accepted by God. It was only by acknowledging that dependence on God that he could be accepted by God. And that indeed is how those of us who are Christians, how we started our life of faith. Independence on God. I love this verse. In Nicodemus in, in Nicodemus, in Titus, I've been thinking too much about Nicodemus, in Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, in the New Living Translation, it says, He, that's God, saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. All of God Nothing of our worth. All of God's worth. But as we look at a child growing up, we watch a child growing up, we see it mature, we see it starting to make its own choices, we, start, we see it starting to be able to do, th- do things for itself. My uh, oldest boy Noah um, has just gone up to high school So I'm having to learn to step back a bit and it's okay if he's not within my sight and all these sort of things. A bit more independence. A bit more responsibility. It's okay for him to go to the shops. That makes me nervous. (laughs) Um, I don't know what it's going to be like when he gets a credit card or anything like that. It's bad enough just for the pocket money in his pocket. But um, is that what a Christian life is like? Could it be that we're coming to church this morning and we're frustrated because we find ourselves, as as Thinos was singing, we've got failings and things like that. Are we frustrated because we're still dependent on God? Do we think we should be a bit more independent? Certainly not. Certainly not. Our Christian life starts in dependence on God in dependence on God, and it continues. We are continuously dependent on god continuously you know I was struck by uh by a verse and i uh, in John fifteen just uh Came to mind that you know Jesus was teaching his disciples in the upper room, remember, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, Grainbart, you can do nothing. Apart from me. Each of us can do nothing. You know, we need to remind ourselves, we need to refresh our desire to know our Lord Jesus more and more in our daily life, through our Bible reading, through our prayer time, through our sharing with each other, just through our thought life. But we also need to remind ourselves that we are still dependent on God. Not in our own worth. Not in trying to impress each other. Not in trying to live up to an expectation that we know others may have of us. But by living day by day in dependence on His strength, in His cleansing spirit in our hearts, in His purifying spirit and purifying word in our minds. And in that way, we will live the life that God has meant for us. I wonder, can we redeclare our dependence on Jesus Christ this morning? Because I'm sure Nicodemus did. Because let's look at John 19, just briefly. You see, there's Nicodemus. He's a man, maybe he came to Jesus at night, as I said, because he was busy, had other priorities. Maybe he came to Jesus at night because he knew people looked up to him, saw him as a teacher, and he didn't want to be brought down a peg, seen as trying to learn off another teacher. Maybe he came to Jesus at night because he didn't want people to know that he wanted to learn more about Jesus, that he wasn't the know-it-all, he wasn't the... The pure, perfect person. Maybe he knew in his heart he wasn't living the life that he should in his heart life, in his thought life. But the result of that encounter with Jesus, of really understanding and getting to know Jesus, of really becoming dependent on Him, led this man to do a remarkable thing. Do something that he would never dream of doing. Never find it within his own strength to do. Because Jesus has now died. Jesus has died on the cross. And afterwards, in verse 38 of John 19, later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. That's amazing. A secret disciple, the very occasion when everyone's eyes are on him. And he steps forward and identifies with his Saviour and Lord Jesus. Verse 39. He was accompanied by Nicodemus. The man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was. The Jewish day of preparation. And since the tomb was nearby, They. That's both of them. Joseph and Nicodemus. They laid Jesus there. Is that not amazing? What a difference. Jesus made. In this man's life. Any desire. To impress people. To live up to an expectation that people had in him doesn't matter. He loves his Lord and he's taken what he has and he's stepped forward and he's taken the body of Jesus. And indeed, he's taken it, he's wrapped it. And remember the Jewish customs about being unclean and clean. This was a big sacrifice for him not only in reputation not only in front of people but in his ability to carry on in doing that job that he had with the the Pharisees and yet here he is performing this remarkable and precious act of burying Jesus' body. Is that not amazing? I was really encouraged as I thought about this man Nicodemus and was encouraged in my own heart, even though I've been a Christian for many, many years, to again, like Paul, declare, I want to know Jesus. and am re-declaring my dependence on Him. And it's only in doing that that we'll be free from all the things that would hold us back, including living up to an expectation that we have about each other. I pray... That as you think about these verses and think about this man Nicodemus and think about the difference that Jesus made in his life, that you'll be encouraged in your life, you'll be encouraged in this church, as we live and, as you live and serve God together, not to be focused on these external things, but instead to be focused in knowing more and more Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour.